My name is Greta Thunberg. I am 16 years old. I come from Sweden. Our civilization is so fragile. It is almost like a castle built in the sand. The facade is so beautiful, but the foundations are far from solid. We have been cutting so many corners. Adults keep saying we owe it to the young people to give them hope. But I don't want your hope. I don't want you to be hopeful. I want you to panic. I want you to feel the fear I feel every day. And then I want you to act. I want you to act as if you would in a crisis. I want you to act as if the house was on fire, because it is. Hello, everyone. This is Elizabeth Boyle with John P. Stewart. We're here today on another episode of No Good Deeds, an investigative legal podcast with Elizabeth Boyle and John Stewart. Hello, John. How are you doing today? Doing well yourself? That's good. I'm fine. What's going on these days? Uh, nothing much. The Rays are about to go to the playoffs. I just got my postseason tickets for my daughter and I to go. Oh. And Well, if they make it. Okay. There's still question. three games left. Still three games left, so you never know. Okay, can you explain that to me again? You were explaining that to me in the car. Okay, so, so basically right now the Rays are in the American League East, um, and they're in second place behind the New York Yankees. And the Yankees have clinched the division. So the only way the Rays can make the playoffs is if they win one of the two wild card spots. They are currently in the second wild card spot. Oakland A's hold the first wild card spot. They're a game above the Rays right now. The Rays hold the second wild card spot, and they're above the Cleveland Indians two games right now. Three games left in the season. So if the Rays win tonight and Cleveland loses, they clinch the playoffs. They're definitely in. Oh, they're playing Cleveland tonight. No, 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 no. no, I'm no, no. Sorry. They're playing Toronto. They're playing. Confused. They're playing Toronto Blue Jays. That's tonight. what throws me. Okay. Cleveland. They're playing. I believe the White Sox. Okay. So or. No, okay. Yeah. The Rays are playing who tonight? The Rays are playing Toronto Blue Jays in Toronto oh. tonight. So they have three games left with them. They have they're, quite a rival- rivalry, don't they? Yes, they're a division rival. So they okay. play each other 18 games a season oh. compared to where they'll play like teams that aren't in their division uh-huh. four to six times, basically. Um, yeah, so if they win tonight and the Indians lose against their opponent, the Rays are definitely in. If the Rays lose all three games and the Indians lose all three games, the Rays are still in. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things. They're in control right now. If they win, they're in. There's no question about it. So Oh, they go to the next step. Yep, if they, they go beat to the, next the Jays, they go to another step. Yeah, they go to the, they go they'll actually go to the wild card playoff. And the wild card game will be held in Oakland uh, on October 2nd. And it'll either be the Cleveland Browns or Cleveland Indians or Indians I'm or sorry. the Rays or the Rays and they're they're okay whoever whoever wins between the Rays and the Indians you know in at the by the end of the season they're gonna go face Oakland in Oakland right. on October second. So how many Rays games have you been to? Lifetime, yeah, couple couple hundred, three hundred or so. Right. I think. How many has your daughter, your seven year old daughter, gone to with you? How Ooh. many games? probably 125 or so. Oh my gosh. <laughs> She's sort of a star, a celebrity now, oh, isn't yeah. she? <laughs> yes, everybody knows her. They uh the the players Mascot. come up, they give her they give her high fives. Hey Allison, how's it going? They come get the high five for good luck for yeah. the game. And then yeah. and then the Rays girls, the the cheerleaders for the Rays, they they're on a first name basis with her. They'll take her out and do stuff like uh-huh. you know, special things and yeah, right. it's so it's it's pretty cool. Well, that's good. Well, we were talking on the last episode about what happened. A lot of things happened to you uh, as a result of your unfortunate uh, ordeal with the American justice system. 
in Manatee County, Florida. You were at the, when we were last speaking, you were at the uh, interview office talking to this detective, Stephen I. Luke, and it was, the date was January 13th, 2016. Yeah. Can you explain to me, were you there voluntarily? Um, yes, I was. I was actually there for a scheduled uh, visit with my daughter, Allison. Uh, when Nolan was taken to the hospital, CPID came in and said that I was not allowed to see Allison unless it was under supervised visits, and I was only allowed one hour a week. So that was going to be my one hour with my daughter for that week. And you would have the visits at the Manatee Sheriff's Office? Yes, they were required. I didn't know that. They were required to be there. Oh, my gosh. So you were in there to visit your daughter. Yep. Did you visit her that day? No. Um, Jess, the mother of, of um, our child, she was unable to make the appointment. She had called me and let me know, but I still went anyways because I didn't want them to be able to say that I wasn't doing you know right. my due diligence. So, um, yeah, I showed up and... Uh, Under what circumstances, to get this straight, under what circumstances would you miss a visit with your daughter? Um... <laughs> If I was in a hospital, if I was out of state, you know, right. like dead, like those are basically okay, the only ways that I would ever miss okay. a visit with my daughter. Okay. Um, so um, I went. Charlotte Laporte, who was the the civilian side of the CPID, she was the she was the lead investigator for the civilian side, mm -hmm. and Detective Luke was the for the legal side, I guess, the mm -hmm. law side, law enforcement side, and um, she comes out and. For the first time, I've ever seen this woman happy, ever. She was always mean, nasty, snotty, like just when I was at, you know, um, visits with my daughter, it was Christmas time. So I gave my daughter, you know, some Christmas presents and she was like, this is the time for that and stuff like that. And it's like, when else am I going to give my daughter her stuff? Like, you guys only let me see her once a week. Like, and, you know, she was just very, very cold, unfeeling person towards me. Other people, maybe, you know, she was great. I don't know. But towards me, she was very, very cold and unfeeling. And she came out and she was all smiling and bubbly. And I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> You're at the Madison County Sheriff's Office. C CPID office, yes. CPID. Um, Child okay. Protective Investigation Division. Okay. And uh, so I and go they in there. they have visiting rooms there, apparently. Yes, they have, okay. they, have, they, have, they have a couple of visiting rooms. And that's why you think you're there, to visit Oh, yeah, the, without a doubt. And or then, you're there to definitely prove to them that you would not miss a daughter. Exactly, daughter. exactly. So they can't say, oh, he misses them, he doesn't deserve them, poo-poo on him. Exactly. Okay. So there you were. So there I am, and we're about to go back, and she's like, well, you know, your daughter's not going to be here. I was like, I know that. She's like, well, you can come in, and we can set up for the next appointment. And I was like, okay, no problem. So we go in, and she's, as we're walking back through... Detective Luke standing there at a copier acting all nonchalant. And he turns around and he's like, oh, hey, mind if I talk to you real quick? And I was like, actually, no, um, I'm handling this and I want to, you know, take care of my daughter. And then after that's all done, we could take care of it. And he's like, no, no, no. And then Charlotte Laporte's like, oh, no, no, go take care of this. We have plenty of time, blah, 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 blah. So then we're, I'm taken into the interview room. We sit down and he starts asking me some questions. I explain everything again, and then he tells me at the end of it, he's like, well, I'm placing you under arrest. And I'm like, I, I, I don't even think I said anything. I just looked at him dumbfounded. Like, I couldn't believe this was freaking happening. And I'm like. But we're, in the video, you're first, you're sitting at a table with him. Correct. He's sitting on the other side of the table. So 
how did it get from there? Didn't did he say what what was he? He was reading from something. Okay, he? so what happened is is he we're sitting on opposite sides of the table, and he tells me um, he tells me I'm going to place you under arrest. Wait here. He gets up. He goes out. He grabs the. That was it. That was the conversation. It's like I'd like to talk to you. Well, he brings you into an office. Oh no, he brings me in, and then we had a conversation, a half hour interview. Basically, and we we rehashed everything that went on. He asked me, you know, and then he was like, "Well, how did these injuries happen?" And and uh, and I'm like, "I don't know how they happen. I didn't do it." And he's like, "Yeah, to Nolan, exactly." And he's like, "Well, if if there's no way to explain it, then it had to have been somebody abusing him." And I'm like, "Well, it wasn't me." And he's like, "Well, we're placing you under arrest." And I'm like, "Really?" Have they even got an autopsy back? No, at this point, they had not gotten a final autopsy back. Um, They. Detective Luke had gone and witnessed the autopsy, and from what he took from it, he changed what the doctor said and ran with it, basically, and trying to say that the injuries happened 24 hours before they actually did. And it was he, he created this horrendous, nonsensical timeline. It's also the... It was a... a a probable cause warrant for arrest. It was like 15 or 16 pages long. I believe 16 or 17. Yeah. And, um, and then he so sat like there rambling. He sat there and he read through everything. Oh, he read. His yeah. Story. After, after he put the cuffs on me, he, like he was he, proud of it. Oh, he was very proud. He's like, yeah. and he, he even said, he's like, I want you to hear everything that you did so that you know exactly what you're going to prison for. Did he do that before he put the cuffs on you or after? after he put the cuffs on me? I was I was cuffed and I was sitting oh, there and then and then he comes yeah, he, 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 he read arrested 16 me. Pages to he you? arrested me, cuffed me, I sat there, he got up, went out, came back in, and then he brought the, the thing That's and not then he's in the like video. It should be. I didn't see that in the video. Yeah, it should be. He 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 walked out, came back in with his paperwork and freaking was like sat me was sitting there with me and he's like, I'm gonna read every page to you. Did he ask you if you wanted a lawyer? Um At that point, when he said that I was going to be arrested, I said I wanted a lawyer. He didn't ask me if I wanted one. I just said I wanted one. And then, but anyway, he kept on. He kept on talking to you? Correct. Okay. And so, um, and so what happened to you after you had cuffs on? What, where did you go next? Um, I was taken outside to the front of CPID. I was put in um, a transport vehicle. I was driven to Port Manatee jail facility. I was processed. And who decided that your bail was 300000 at that time? Honestly, I have no idea. It was just written on some paperwork. I think right. that, I think that's what the initial um, public defender, not public defender, but the state attorney, I think that's what they initially asked for. Did you ever have a, a, a bail hearing with the judge? Um, the day after I was arrested, I had a hearing with the judge. And basically, Julie Binkley, the state attorney for the Florida who's prosecuting me, Detective Luke... Um, the inept investigator, they went up in front of the judge and told the judge that I had no ties to the community, even though I was just arrested visiting so my daughter. You? Did you get to go to court and see the no, judge in No, 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 no. Yeah, I was in did. Port Manatee and I was only allowed to do it via um, video, video chat. How long chat. was it? How long? Yeah, how long was the hearing? Probably not even five minutes. And uh, did you have a lawyer? Not that I know of. And... Uh, they had they had they had public defenders there, but my public defender was not there, and they had somebody stand up and tell me, you know, don't say anything to anybody, and that's basically about all I remember but, from that. But you said something to the judge, didn't you? Oh yeah, I told him that I did not own my own house, um, and that 
Did you tell him you couldn't afford the bail? I, I told him that I couldn't afford the bail. It's, you know, too high. I'm a disabled veteran. I need, you know, um, I live on a fixed income. There's no way that I could afford that. And as soon as I basically said that, that's when Detective Luke jumped up and was like, and Binkley jumped up and we're like, oh, well, he owns his own house, Your Honor. <laughs> and this just shows how inept of an investigation they did. They searched my house, the property that I was that I was staying at. And when I say my house, the house that I was renting. Were um, you there when they searched it? Initially, no. But halfway through, I got there and I was there. Um, <laughs> they, they, I had told them, I was like, hey, you guys can search anything you want. I have no problem with it. But can you please just, you know, let me be there so that I can let my dogs out because I don't want anything to happen to my dogs. Right. And they said, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. No problem. So we went to the house. We waited for about, I think, 45 minutes to an hour. Danica and I, and they didn't show up. So we're like, okay, we're starving. At this point, we had been up all day, hadn't eaten, hadn't done anything. Freaking, we're, was this the day after? No, this is this is this is this is before Nolan died. Right. So, and we're we're under stress. We have no idea what's going on. Freaking, we have no idea what's going on with Nolan. She had just been told basically that he was brain dead. We're not allowed to go see him. Um, she didn't get to see him before he died. No, no, they would not let him. They would not let him be seen by. They wouldn't let Nolan be seen by myself or Danica. His mother. Correct. Um, he died without her being able to see him. Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. That that is that. Yes, that is that is what happened. They um. And I asked them numerous times. I was like, "Can I please take Danica over to see her kid?" You know, like. And they're like, "No, this is an investigation. You two aren't going to be allowed to see your kids basically ever again." Um, if you don't sign this paperwork saying that you give up temporary custody, we're going to, we're going to do everything we can to take your kids from you. Mm -hmm. And that's what. So you were dealing with two suits at once. You were dealing Correct. with the criminal prosecution and also an attempt by the state to t terminate your parental rights with your daughter. Correct. But they had no evidence that you had done anything wrong to Correct. this baby. Well, I mean, <laughs> they said that they had plenty of evidence, but as time came around for a trial to take place. Um, my amazing lawyer, Mrs. Boyle, she started doing depositions with Detective Luke and everybody else and showing the ineptness of their investigation, the wrongness, the things that they, you know. Well, they suppressed the confession. Well, that I mean, too. that's a problem. There, there's, there's so many things that they did wrong. There's yeah, so many right. things that they blatantly, blatantly did wrong and covered up and don't care about it. And yeah, they didn't give you evidence, a lot of evidence. Oh, yeah. And we're still Video to this day. Video of the child moving his arms and legs, yet they wanted to say he was quadriplegic or paraplegic. Yeah, or from the day before. Yeah, right. When I was alone with him. And they hid that. We got yeah. that. Even though, even though Danica... They... So in the meantime, you're in jail for, what, 270 days because you can't afford to get out? Correct. The court won't give you another bond hearing after the, the five-minute alleged bond hearing without a lawyer Correct. they don't give you well, another bond well, hearing until three months down the road well there were, there was a whole bunch of snafus that happened so basically like i said before at my first appearance i wasn't represented by anybody there was somebody from the, the from there was somebody from um the public defender's office but that wasn't my lawyer turns out my lawyer i want to say her name was janet something dupree or something like that but um she had represented either Danica or Chris, the child's Nolan's father, in a previous case. So she withdrew, and that's why I was given Peter Cohen as Office of Regional Counsel, which was horrifyingly terrible, which that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but, um, so she left me in there, never came to visit me, never came to tell me, hey, you know, I need to give up your case or whatever, freaking, you know. 
nothing. I wrote to the to the to the um I wrote to them every day for probably forty five days. The public defender's office. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I need I need this. I need that. I need to talk to somebody. And no one ever came. Nobody to ever came to me. No, you're the first person that ever came that ever talked to me in regards to my case. And that was 76 days, 76 or 77 days after I was arrested. And that's because I was your dependent. And that, exactly. And that, that wasn't even for criminal or anything right. like that. And when we originally talked, you were like, you were basically like, I, I don't know what you thought, but <laughs> it seemed to me like you thought that I was just like a, a like somebody who would just be willing to give up rights and everything like mm-hmm. that and then i started explaining things and you're like well wait a minute this doesn't sound right wait a minute this isn't right and we ended up speaking normally when you talk to a lawyer on a jail phone it's five minutes ten minutes max we ended up talking for like an hour and ten minutes and then mm-hmm. you went this is a travesty i'm going over and talking to peter cohen right now because i had found out by that time that he was supposedly representing me right he still hadn't been to see me by the way and it took you going over to his office, telling him, hey, there's something wrong here. We need to address this and go look at it before. And then he finally came to me the next day. And that was the first time I talked to him. And so after about how long were you incarcerated? Eight months or something till August, January to August of 2016. Finally, the judge, after two two other bond hearings, reduced your bail to 50000 Correct. And a friend helped you get get you out yeah the Estevez family they helped me out how would you describe your incarceration at the Port Manatee jail terrible okay do you think it's punitive yes okay um do you know anything about the United States Constitution a little bit okay and does it address does it address the rights of presumed people who are presumed innocent the way that I read it you can't have um an unconstitutional you know you can't have bail that is above what the person can afford now of course there's 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 people who are threats and stuff like that you know who have committed numerous crimes before and you know or and and might have like millions of dollars in the bank mm-hmm. and are able to abscond and stuff like that but you know in those cases you deny bail outright and don't give it in any way shape or form but for everybody else we're, we're supposed to have a bail that makes us want to come back to court but technically, you know, it it has to be affordable. Right. But when you got out, what other costs did you have besides? So the oh bail's fifty thousand. You ten ten or five thousand, ten percent. You'll never see it again. Right? Correct. That that's gone. And then what else did you have to pay for? Oh, I had to pay for every day that I was in jail. I had to pay for the food that they were giving me. For, you know, I had to pay for my medicine. Huh? What? Yeah, yeah, two dollar, two or three dollars a day. Where you have did to that pay. come from? That's, I mean, where does it come from? Your family? What happens if you don't have it? So if you don't have it, you have you. You have to go to the hole. Well, after <laughs> after you like get that. out, after uh-huh. you get released, they'll put you in collections. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They even tried to send me a collection bill because the ankle monitor that I was on, they said that I still owed like twenty five dollars. How much was that a month? Four seventy nine a day. Four seventy nine a day. So it's five dollars. Yep. That's one hundred and fifty dollars a month. Roundabouts. Yep. Okay. So they they you they put you they put you in jail. You're not convicted of anything. They set the bail unconstitutionally high. Yes. Finally, you're out. So you miss work. Oh you're, yeah. You you miss work, and you were teaching at USF. You were well, teaching. Oh, no. At but, that at that time, I was um when I got arrested, I was unemployed. I had taken time off. I was in the process of applying for jobs. I had a job interview at um the. Bay Pines VA facility. I had an interview in Hawaii, actually, for be a park ranger, which I was really contemplating taking. 
um, there was a bunch of different things that I was about to do. So at the time I was not working, so that didn't keep me from working, but being arrested prevented me from getting a job from, and I still haven't been and able being, to get a real being job. being under the cloud of the charge. Um, yes, I went to a hotel because I couldn't find a place to live. So I had to pay for a weekly hotel. It was 225 a week. And um, I was there for a couple, like three or four weeks. And the owners had noticed that, you know, I have I have dogs and I walk them every day. And my daughter comes over with her mother and, you know, we have visits and everything like that. And they were like, hey, you know, doesn't look like you have a job per se. And I was like, well, I've been through some stuff, so I can't really get a job. And they're like, well, you want to work here? I was like, sure, why not? And they're like, we'll pay your rent and give you a couple hundred a week. So what's it like? It's the the hotels this, these owners run. What are they? What are they like? <laughs> the the hotels themselves or the owners? Well, just the whole <laughs> the whole scene. It's sketchy. Right. That's the it's best transient. Way to put it. Yeah. There's, um, there's, there's, some I mean, people down on their luck. There's some there. people. There's some people who who are there who are you know who have very good jobs. There's nurses. There's there was a doctor who lived there you know for a couple of years. You know it's most half the people are good to go and have been there for a long time, but mm -hmm. it's the people who come in and out all the time that it kind of gets sketchy and you have issues where there's a lot of people using drugs. There's a lot of fights going on and different things like that. Um, people demanding to be led up to see other people. And, you know, like the, when I moved in it, there was only one way in and out of the hotel and mm -hmm. you needed to have a key to get in and out. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's cameras all over the place and, you know, it has the perception of being safe. And for me, it was safe, but for other people, not so much. Mm -hmm. Well, part of the attraction the manager had was you were Marine and, you know, you saw that you could handle people. You had to handle some rough situations there. Right? Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, it was a place where the police were frequently called to. All the time. Domestic violence. Domestic violence, yeah. drug dealing, freaking fights. All, yeah, yeah, fights, so all types of stuff. Kind of a rough, I mean, rough part of St. That all went down once I took over, but it was still prevalent. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, I, I, I did everything I could to try so to keep the, the place. So you're the on site man manager, kind of full time around the clock? Correct. Yeah. 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 So, That's... how long did you work for them? Um, from when I got released basically September of 2016 until April of 2019. Yep, that's good. Because a lot of people, most people in that situation wouldn't have been able to get any job, but you took the job, you needed it to support your family, yep. your daughter, you did it. Yeah, without a doubt. Yep. Okay, let's take a commercial break. <laughs>